to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. It's believed that he met with Paul the Apostle in Ephesus when Paul the Apostle was there uh, ministering in Ephesus. It's believed that he accepted Christ through Paul the Apostle's ministry. And so he became a believer. He's a man from Colossae, as it says, who's one of you, meaning he's from Colossae. So it's believed after he received the Lord, he went back to Colossae and he shared with his family. He shared with his friends. He shared with coworkers. He shared with those that were in the marketplace. And then people uh, came to know Christ. And then a church was birthed. So he was the founder of this church in Colossae, as we looked at in chapter one. So you see, not only did he care about the spiritual welfare of the believers, but he also had, I call it, you know, backyard ministry. That's, he was called to backyard ministry. Those that were right in his backyard. And we can glean off of this man. And I I believe that it's important that we realize that we have ministry right in our backyard. Do Do we realize that? Some are called missionary, they're called to, you know, they're called out to another country, you know, some are called to that, but most of us are called to, to minister right where we're at in our backyard. We're not all called to, you know, you talk about uh, missionaries, we're not all called to be missionaries across the sea. We just need to see the cross, right? But we're all called to some kind of a missionary work. A path for us here is an example for us to realize that he was the backyard missionary. He realized this is my field, and, but others are called out. My wife was called out from Scotland. She lived in Scotland for many years, and God called her out to come here to minister in Southern California. I was called out from the country of Michigan. <laughs> okay, it's not a country, but it seems like it. It's so far away. My sister, she was living in Michigan. She was born in Michigan. She moved out to Southern California. She went to Calvary Costa Mesa. Her and her husband, both of them accepted the Lord. Then they went back to Michigan, and then they shared with family members. They shared with friends, and I was one of them that they shared with, and here I am today. I'm a product of, yeah, praise God. I'm a product of backyard missions. I think about in Mark chapter 5, remember the man that was demon-possessed? And Jesus spoke with the man, and he said, what is your name? And, and he says, Legion, because we are many. He was filled with demons. And Jesus ministered to him, and Jesus set him free from these demonic demons that were torturing him. He was cutting himself. He was hiding in the tombs and he was, you know, they put shackles on him. He was breaking the shackles. They put chains on him. He broke the chains. He had supernatural strength from the demons. And Jesus cast the demons, remember, into the swine. There was like 2,000 swine. It was the first, it's our first recorded uh, recollection of first, you know, in the Bible recording, you know, swine suicide, right? So we got it. So, But the swine, if you remember, they went down the hill and they they went into the lake there and they ended up all dying. But what gets me is this man that was demon-possessed that said that he was clothed in his right mind after that and he was, God delivered him. And when he, when Jesus went to leave, Jesus went to get into the boat and I put it up on the screen. The man that was demon-possessed, what did he do? He begged him that he might 
be with him, with Jesus. So get the picture. He's in his right mind. He's no longer tormented. He's no longer having to cut himself. He's no longer this demonic person. He's a a man in his own right mind now. And Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he begs Jesus, can I go with you? Let me jump in the boat. Let me go with you. But what does Jesus say? However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Backyard missions. This man says, I, I want to go with you. I want to travel with you. I want to, you know, hang out with you. And, and Jesus says, no, I want you to go home. I want you to tell people there, you are going to be such a powerful testimony in your community because everyone knows you were crazy. Can you imagine the people seeing this man? They're going to like, were you the guy with the shackles? Yeah, that was me, but Jesus Jesus had compassion on me. Jesus changed me. Jesus entered into my life, and now I'm a changed man. And the people were like, wow, there's a God. And that happens with all of us. We're changed. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and we're changed. And and we're to go to our family members and say, it's Jesus. I remember I did that with my dad, and he was just like, what are you talking about? I don't want to. I said, Dad, I'm a Jesus freak. He says, don't say that. I says, I can't hide it. I'm a Jesus freak. I love Jesus. Backyard's missions, caring about people's welfare, spiritual welfare. And I pray that as a church, I I pray that we truly do care about people's spiritual welfare. Amen? Amen. And I I pray that we would ask the Lord, give me a heart for, for people that don't know you and give me a heart for people that do know you that they would grow and mature in the things of you. That's what Epaphras is an example of for us here this morning. And I pray that for all of us, that we would truly care about people's spiritual welfare, that we would realize that we have a mission field right here in our backyard. Do we realize that? This whole thing with this, this saturate ministry with, you know, going door to door. I mean, isn't that a fabulous thing? As Pastor Dave pointed out, you know, we have in our packet, they get a G- Jesus DVD. Every house in Seal Beach is going to get a Jesus C- DVD. They're going to get a gospel track to to know how to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior with a prayer on there. They're going to get an invitation to one of the greatest churches in all America. <laughs> or, I mean, to... <laughs> to the Calvary Chapel of the Harbor, their local church. That was a little joke, obviously. Um, and they're going to get an invitation to the labor of love. If you don't want to talk with people, that's all you need to do. You just put it on the door. Don't have to knock on the door. You don't have to, you can put it just like this. Just real, put it on the door. Go to the next house. If you're more outgoing and you want to talk with people, that's up to you. Talk with people and people come out, you know, or have someone on your team that loves to talk with people. But this is all, this is it. Backyard missions is right here in our backyard. Uh, can you take a guess? We're the, we have, we're going to put out 6,000, it's 6,000 homes in Seal Beach. We're not going to do Leisure World because it's a gated community. But out of the 6,000, take a guess. How many do we, we're just guessing. How many are Christians out of the 6,000? We don't know. What if half? That's 3,000 people that don't know the Lord. And it's this simple. We just put it on their door. They take it in the privacy of their own home, and they're like, what in the world? Someone just, hey, Marge, look at this. What is this? Labor of love, I heard of that. 
Maybe they'll go and hear the gospel and accept Christ. Jesus, film. Wow, maybe we'll watch that tonight. I don't know. And then on the gospel track, it says, would you like to know Jesus personally? Or excuse me, would you like to know God personally? And they might look at that. They might read that. Here at Calvary Chapel, the harbor, I think you get it by now. We feel the leading of the Lord in a strong way to be backyard missionaries. We believe, I believe, let me put it on me. I believe Jesus Christ can come at any time. And our heart is to give everyone in our area an opportunity to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So saturate is a wonderful way to do it. Labor of love is another wonderful way for us to to go out in our community. Do you know we prayed for nine years to do a concert here at the church? We prayed for nine years. Lord, can you open a door for us to do some kind of concert, maybe on the green belt out here, a little stage. We'll just have our worship team go out there. We'll go out there, play a couple songs, love on the people. Just we want to reach out into our community. They're not coming in these doors, a lot of them. We're getting some one by one, but we want to go into our community. We want people to know about the love of Jesus. And can you open the door? Nine years, closed door. Nine years, year after year, year one, year two, year three, year. We knocked on doors, whoosh knocked on doors, tried to make phone calls. Nobody called us back until finally God kicked open a door, a huge door. And September 1st, we're going to go out there into our community and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to whoever shows up. What an opportunity this is. And, you know, music is a wonderful way to reach people. It speaks all languages. And something happens when, when music goes out. You know, when I was growing up and I was listening to music, I liked the music, but the words, I wasn't even paying attention to the words. And these words were going in my mind and, and I was singing, you know, I, I remember driving down the highway with my convertible, you know, driving, screaming out to the top of my lungs, running with the devil, running with the devil. <laughs> and I look back at that, I was like, I was singing that. <laughs> Why? Because I liked the music. I didn't even realize I'm singing about running with the devil. You know, I'm like, I'm like, really? And really, I, I, sometimes I scratch my head and say, did I really sing those words? And you see, the enemy, I believe, knows that there's some kind of power in music. Music somehow opens up your mind to allow the words to come in. And as long as you like the sound of the music, the words go in. You're like, wow, this is good. This is it. Wow, yeah, this is okay. Running with the devil? I don't Yeah, let's just sing it. And it's, it's but, but same with, the, with beautiful, wonderful music. And we sing about Jesus Christ. And the word of God is planted in people's hearts. And there's a powerful thing that takes place. And people accept Christ because now they love, you know, they're being ministered to. They don't know what's going on. And, and then the gospel goes in. Next thing they know, they're up front. They're crying. They're weeping. They're saying, Christ, forgive me of all my sins. And they give their life to the Lord. And then at the end, we go down and we have a baptism. It's a wonderful, powerful thing. I think of the first king, King Saul. He was tormented. God sent him a distressing spirit. And what happened? What, what drove out that spirit? Do you remember? Music. They called young David, and young David played the harp. And as young David was playing the harp, all of a sudden, the, the demonic spirit, the distressing spirit, just went away. Music is powerful. It's a powerful tool. We are big on backyard missions here at this church. Greg Laurie does a wonderful job, a fabulous job. Did you read about in the paper how his billboard was taken down at the Fashion Island? Yeah, he had, a, he had a big billboard at Fashion Island. Well, it was offensive to people because he was holding the Bible in his hand. Look at that. So they made him take it down. They took it down. 
And the funny thing is, uh, Greg Laurie even says, it's, it doesn't even say Bible on the Bible. He's just holding a black book like this, and everyone knows what it is. It's a Bible. We're, we're, we're offended by that. He's holding up a Bible, and they made him take it down there at Fashion Island. But listen to this. That's what the enemy meant for evil, but because of that, he's on national television. He's telling his story. <laughs> It was so funny. Listen, when that happened, when I, I heard the news, it was taken down. I was like, oh, man, I wish ours comes down. And then you think, why? I'm thinking, because he's, I, honestly, before he even got national coverage, I go, he's going to get national coverage. It's gonna be, he's going to be on the news. He's going to be, and sure enough, Fox and Friends did an interview with him and everything, asked him about it, and he got to tell his story. Backyard's missions, as we see. Let's look back in our text. Verse 14, this man Luke, the beloved physician, So Luke was hanging out with Paul the Apostle there in prison. Luke was a personal friend of Paul the Apostle. He was also his personal physician. He penned or he wrote the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke. So he greets, he's he's there hanging out with Paul. So another person of God, Demas greets you. Oh, before we go too far, I'm sorry. I I don't want to skip this. Luke. Luke, if you're a note taker, I'm not saying you're Luke. I'm saying Luke. <laughs> Sorry, my mind. If you're a note taker, means light giver, light giver or luminous. I want to point this out about Luke because I, I believe it's important for us to realize what kind of man this was. When everybody left Paul the Apostle at the end of his life, we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 4, only Luke was with me. And he's writing to Timothy, he says, Timothy, get Mark, bring Mark, he's useful to me. And he says, come on, Timothy, if you can come and and be with me. But he says, because everybody left me. Only Luke is with me. And as we look at the people of God, we see this person, professional person that was a physician, a good friend of Paul the Apostle, a personal friend, but we just see his loyalty. There's something to be said about loyalty and friendship. You hear people say, you know, that he's a fair-weather friend. In other words, only when things are good does this person stick with me. I pray that as people of God, that we're, you know, the people that God has put in our circle, that we're, we're there for them when God has us to be there for them. I was so blessed yesterday. The women's ministry had a bunch of ladies here. It was such a beautiful thing. They had a wonderful guest speaker. I can't remember her name. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> and just to watch the ladies gather together as I walked by, I saw the men over here and they had a good group of men at the men's ministry there in the fellowship hall. And I, I was just looking at all that and thinking, God, this is what church is about, learning about Jesus, but also having close-knit people around us and having smaller groups and getting to know each other and praying for each other and, and having those friendships. It's important in the body of Christ. And let me tell you, the enemy will do whatever he can to break that up because it's powerful. Luke was that kind of guy that says, Paul, I don't care if everybody leaves you. I'm I'm here by your side. I'm your friend. I read a story about a pastor on Easter Sunday. He was greeting people at the front door as he always did. He would, you know, shake their hand and get to know them and say, you know, have a good week and all. So he On Sunday morning, he's there, and he noticed a young man that he hasn't seen in a long time. So he went to the young man, and he pulled him aside, and he says, hey, you need to join the the army of the Lord. And the young man says, what are you talking about? He says, well, you need to join the army of the Lord. He says, well, I'm in the army of the Lord. 
And he says, well, how come I only see you on Christmas and on, on Easter? He says, well, and he pulled him aside. He whispered in his ear. He says, I'm in the secret service. <laughs> There's no such thing as secret service Christians, okay? We're to be together often. Friendship is important. Loyalty is important. Proverbs 18.24. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And that's so true. I, when I do memorial services and I see a lot of people showing up, a lot of friends showing up, I, I right away I, I think of this verse and I think, well, he must be a friendly person because you need to first be friendly to have a lot of friends. And it's, it's a good thing. But there is a friend that goes on to, uh, to say in Proverbs 18.24, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I believe this is a reference of Jesus because Jesus Christ stays close closer than any brother could stay close to us. But I believe there's a dual meaning here. I believe there's, you know, there's friends that should stay closer than a brother to you. You should have people in your life like this, and you should be that in other people's lives. There's something to be said about that, having that loyalty, and Luke is an example of that. Another verse that goes with this, Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs 17, 17, it's up on the screen. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. That means you're not a fair-weather friend. No matter what happens, you're there for that person. You're you're in the midst of them. And please don't get me wrong. If that person is, you know, seeped in sin and they're trying to drag you into sin, no, you, you can't be around that person that's trying to pull you in sin. And if he's affecting you in a sinful way, no, you you separate yourself from that person. But when it's a person that God has placed in your life, they love at all times. And I like the, uh, in the second part of this, and a brother is born for adversity. When I first read that, I think, what does that mean? A brother is born for adversity. And I automatically thought, you know, there's, you know, brothers, they can really give you a hard time, you know? <laughs> so uh, I, I don't believe that's what it means. I, I believe what it means is a brother, not a blood brother, but one that's so close to you, he's like a brother, he's born for adversity. In other words, I'm ready to be with you no matter what you go through. I, I'm, you're going to have adversity, have difficult times. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to stay by your side. I'm going I'm to, you know, fight through with this with you. So a brother is born for adversity, a, a, a brother in the, in the Lord a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. So we see that with Luke. Luke was there. Adversity, Paul's in prison. Luke's by his side. It's interesting. I read somewhere regarding this verse that years ago, ancient, you know, the Jewish people believed this was a messianic verse. And think through that. They believed that this was speaking of the coming Messiah, that he would be a brother born for adversity, that he would take on affliction and be, he was just born for that, that he was going to be there for us as a brother. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus bore our guilt and shame. Jesus went to the cross for us. Jesus Christ took the nails in his hand for you and me. Jesus was beaten. He was spat upon. He was rejected. Jesus was born for adversity. Jesus knew he was going to the cross, but why did he do it? Because he loves us so much and he calls us friend. He calls us friends. So they were absolutely right. This is, I believe, a messianic verse right here. So Luke. Then Niphus. There was a church in his home. We don't know too much about him. Interesting little note if you're a note taker. The early manuscripts, they're not sure if this is 
a man or a woman. In some manuscripts, it says naimfa, which is a woman's, a female form of this. So, so you have people just going back and forth with that. So just an interesting note. But either way, there was, a, there was a church in this person's home. It could have been in Laodicea or in Heropolis. So, so we don't know much about that. Demas. Demas started off real good. We're told in Philemon that he was a fellow laborer in Philemon 1.24. But then we're told that Demas forsook Paul. What does it say? He says, having loved this present world, he's departed for Thessalonica. So Demas started off well, but then he finished in a sad way. Do you notice it says, for Demas has forsaken me. So wasn't loyal. Not only not loyal, having loved this present world, something in the world snagged him back. He would, you know, the draw of the world, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, something in the world just drew him away. And so Demas is an example for us to, to realize it's not how well we start, but it's how well we finish. And then let's close out with these last two verses. And say to our Chippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. The salutation by my own hand, Paul, that's Paul the Apostle, remember my chains, grace be with you, amen. So we'll close with our Chippus. Our Chippus, we're told as a fellow soldier, we're told in Philemon chapter one, verse two, that he had a church in his home. Some believe that he was the son of Philemon. So that's interesting. If you look at Philemon chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it's, it looks like he might be related to Philemon. So that's who this man is. But I just want to point this out. Just the wording here. It doesn't say, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received. It doesn't say, it doesn't direct this to Archippus. It says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry that you've received. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, what I'm saying is Paul is writing this letter to be read in front of the congregation for everyone to read. And it's saying, and say to Archippus, in other words, encourage Archippus, take heed to the ministry that you've received. So it's not, he's not saying, hey, Archippus, you know, take heed to the ministry that you received. He's saying, hey, everybody, you tell Archippus, take heed to the ministry. You encourage him. You let him know that, you know, you're being blessed by him. And, it's, and I, I believe that's important for us to realize that people need encouragement, that we should encourage people in the ministries that they're in. Not flattery, we're not to flatter them and all, but, but encourage them in the ministry that God's called them to. And lastly, before we close, I believe our chippus reminds us that the ministry that we have is a gift from God. Did you notice that? That you received in the Lord. The ministry which you have received in the Lord. And I believe that it's very helpful for all of us that are in ministry to realize this is a God-given gift. And that's why I'm doing it. Hopefully that's why I'm standing up here today. This is a God-given gift. God says, you're a pastor, teacher. This is a gift from God. God, thank you for this gift. I want to use it to the best of my ability for your glory. Our chippus reminds us Fulfill that ministry. Complete that ministry. Don't give up. I believe Archippus was probably very discouraged at the false teachers coming in, probably giving him a hard time, telling him he's wrong, giving him, you know, just, you know, twisting scripture. And it was probably very difficult on him. So Paul saying, hey, guys, you encourage this man. This is a man of God. You encourage him in the gifts and let him know that's a gift from God. God gave you that gift. You keep going on. Amen.
Amen. People of God, as we close, let's surround ourselves with people of God. Let's stay around the brothers in Christ. We need them. Paul the Apostle was constantly surrounded with people of God. And we need to be surrounded by men and women that love Jesus. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.